0: listening to the up and under podcast starting in three two one yo what's up guys welcome into the up and under podcast i'm your host Hani. joined with me as always it's zishan yo all right man another edition of the quarantine podcast y'all already know the drill already um but basically on this week's episode we're gonna be continuing on what what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, man. We're on this journey, man, to figure out which which franchise has the best starting five of all time. Now, if you haven't checked out the last couple of episodes, definitely check them out. We basically covered the entire first round in two parts. And here we are in the... Se- in the Is this the semifinals? I believe this is semifinals. Yeah. Is this is yeah, the semifinals. Yeah, semifinals. Semifinals. So in this episode, we're going to be breaking down the entire semifinals... Of our bracket, um, and uh, you know it, it's it's getting competitive now. Like now, like in the first round, we really saw a lot of uh, you know you know easy matchups, very easy to predict. But in this second, in this semi semifinals round, like there's some matchups that you know it, it makes you think. Maybe it really, really aren't they aren't easy matchups to predict. But, well,
1: I mean, I'd argue that even in the first round, we had a couple of good matchups. You know, no, we definitely um, did yeah definitely um for yeah again for everyone who didn't you know uh check out the last few episodes uh we covered the first round and um you know if you have any questions as to what we're doing we pretty much covered it in the first part and we explained how we're you know doing this whole process so um yeah if if you're confused or whatever just make sure to check out that first part and um you know you'll understand everything uh, and um, if you want to know like uh, how, like our thought process and everything, um, you know, if you don't have enough time to listen to the whole episode and see what our thought processes were in regards to uh, this bracket that we're doing, you can check out the blog post on our website upandunderpodcast.com um, and yeah, you can pretty much read up on, uh, you know, the whole explanation there.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the the gist of what we're trying to do is we basically have a random, we generated random matchups in the first round, and we basically are putting the two teams head to head with their all-time starting five based on the ESPN, uh, list that were that were recently released, and we're basically comparing these lineups in, in in the event that these two lineups would ever play, uh, in a best of seven series, who would actually come out on top. So here we are in the semifinals round. And since in the last episode, we started with the Western Conference, I think it's fair that we start back in the Eastern Conference uh, with the first semifinals matchup. We have the Toronto Raptors taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, just so, I mean, both these two teams had interesting paths to get where they are. Obviously, we had the Raptors taking on the Sixers in the first round, and the Raptors won by a very narrow margin. Some may argue a homer pick, but... I would
1: definitely argue that.
0: I don't give a, I don't. I don't give a shit. It's, it's, <laughs> look, it's it's not that the Ra- like. If you check out the first episode, you'll see my reasoning as to why the the pick uh, the Raptors moved on. But it, in the end of the day, it was a very close matchup. The Raptors barely were able to squeak into the, to the second round. The Bucs, meanwhile, had a, probably a lot more of a convincing, uh, win in their first round matchup against the Detroit Pistons. Um, but now here they are head to head. And looking at these two teams, so just to recap the starting lineups for the starting fives for each team, the Bucks all time starting five consists of, if I can just find it, I'm totally prepared for this. <laughs> so the Bucks all time starting five consists of Oscar Robertson. Sydney Moncrief, Ray Allen, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Meanwhile, the Toronto Raptors' all-time starting five consist of Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Vince Carter, Kawhi Leonard, and Chris Bosh. So, right off the bat, let's just start off with the Bucks. The Bucks clearly have the the better talent on the on the floor, hands down. If we're ta- if we're comparing. You know, just the like the Bucks clearly have the two best players on the floor, and Giannis and Kareem, hand down, those two guys are better than anyone on the Raptors. Although the, you could make an argument for Kawhi Leonard, um, being maybe on par with Giannis, but it's with the rest of the team, it's just no no comparison. Then when you're comparing guys like having Oscar Robertson versus Kyle Lowry, the Big O gets the advantage there. And then you, and then it's between Ray Allen and DeMar DeRozan. We all know Ray Allen would win that matchup. So, if we're looking at just from that perspective alone, the Bucks clearly have the advantage here. And just like I talked about in the first round, the Bucks just have a very balanced team. When you're talking about scoring uh, with Kareem, Giannis, and the and the Big O, you have shooting with Ray Allen, then you have a bit of defense there, like Oscar Robinson's a, a big uh a, a, fairly big point guard. Ray Allen is a long is a is a big player as well. Giannis is also a big player. So they do have the size advantage so they can be a very good defensive team. So the Bucks are just very, very balanced and they also are very talented which flips things over to me to the Raptors. And although the Raptors definitely have talent, you know, they definitely, like I said, uh, the way they were able to beat Philly was just based on how balanced of a team they are as well. You know, you got some shooting, you got some defense, you got some scoring. Um, There's also a lot more versatility on this Raptors lineup. The problem that is arising is, A, they are being completely outsized. Like just when you're looking at, Kawhi Leonard and Giannis. Giannis clearly has a size advantage. Then you're talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Chris Bosh. That's no comparison either. So that's one thing. The Raptors are clearly outsized in this matchup. And then they also are out-talented in this, in this uh, matchup, if that's even a word. Um, but basically, the Bucks just have the advantage on the talent side. And you can argue that talent isn't everything. But in reality, if we're looking at a seven-game series, typically the team with the better players win, win, win series. It's just, it's just been the way. That's been. That's just how things have been. You know, since the end in the inception of the NBA. So, um, obviously, we know there have there are cases where teams with less talent can overcome uh, the deficiencies, but. In this matchup, I just don't see that happening. I, like, if we're just talking, like, looking at the individual ma- matchups, Oscar Robertson versus Ka- Kyle Lowry, I already touched upon this. Kyle's a good player. I like Kyle a lot, but the big O is just hands down the better the better matchup. Then Sidney Moncrief and DeMar DeRozan, I would say that's a bit of a draw. Maybe DeMar has a bit of an advantage here, but, you know, it's. it's very- I mean,
1: Sidney Moncrief is one of the greatest perimeter defenders of all time. And uh, as for a playoff series, we've seen DeMar Drozen play against uh, people in the playoffs, uh, you know, add on the factor that you have one of the greatest defenders uh, of his generation guarding DeMar, I don't think that would be a great matchup.
0: To defend DeMar a little bit, I feel like DeMar will have a slight, may, may, might be able to make up for it because he is a solid offensive player, but then again, like, I just feel these two guys kind of cancel each other out, so I'm kind of ignoring this part of of the the matchup then we're going on to Vince Carter and Ray Allen a bit of a tough one but I feel like the the more the bigger the greater asset comes from Ray Allen just from the fact that he's just a way better shooter and the shooting is so instrumental in creating space for Giannis and Kareem that I just feel like you know Ray Allen's strengths outweigh the strengths of Vince Carter because Vince Carter just needs to attack the basket and as as I touched upon earlier, the Bucks clearly had the size advantage. So being able to get to to drive in the paint and being able to, you know, create shots from from down low are, are going to be very difficult for the Raptors. So for that sense, I'll give Ray Allen the advantage there. Then obviously we're comparing Giannis and Kawhi. Now this is kind of where you know, the Raptors do have some fight because Kawhi definitely is a great player. And we saw Giannis at this stage in his career clearly isn't ready to compete with Kawhi. But, so basically, I would I would render that a draw because these two guys will probably cancel each other out. But Giannis is clearly the better defender. He'll probably wear Kawhi out faster than Kawhi can wear Giannis out. So i that, take that as you will. And then finally, the last matchup, which I feel is the... Is the nail nail in the coffin for the Raptors is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus Chris Bosh. Now again, we know how great of a player Chris Bosh is. You know how he was able to completely change his game. You know as he went to Miami as he progressed in his career, but there's just no stopping Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like he already has one of the most unstoppable shots of all time. Uh, and he is the greatest scorer of all time. So the so just and then not to mention the height advantage. Like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has a good four five inches on chris bosch i'm assuming like uh but yeah around
1: i think what five inches around i think it's it's
0: it's something around that range but he does have a height advantage over chris bosch and then not to mention you add the sky hook on that that's already impossible to stop so for me it's pretty clear that uh the raptors are are not going to be moving on in this one. I feel like the Bucks can easily win this matchup in four, maybe five games. The Raptors might be able to sneak one in, but the like, like I just feel like this is going to be a sweep, and the Bucs will take it.
1: Yeah, um, for me personally too, I, I I'd agree with um a lot of the points that you said. Uh, one thing I will, I think, uh, correct you on. I think you meant to say, uh, I think we both say Kawhi's the better defender, but I think you meant to say in terms of more versatile defender. Giannis is a more versatile defender cuz he can defend outside and inside as compared to Kawhi Um so I think that's what you meant to say. Um but yeah, um as you were talking about before in terms of uh talent, um talent talent is the game of basketball in the NBA more than I think any other league in sport and uh, sports is driven by talent. And, um, you know, you pointed to the case about um, there have been teams that were less talented and that, you know, could pull off a victory against more talented teams. But when we're talking about all time greats, you know, that that just doesn't happen because they're all time greats for a reason. You know, they don't make those kinds of mistakes, you know, Um, except for like, you know, some of these guys have done that like uh, one time in their career or whatever, you know, like Dirk Nowitzki, LeBron, all of that. But, you know, when we're talking about greats, these all these greats as a whole, these guys are all-time greats for a reason, and they don't make mistakes like that. So, there's no reason to think that the more talented team in this matchup would not be advancing. <clears throat> um, and especially as you talked about, you know, having the great scorer of all time on your team, having one of, you know, I think probably a top five point guard of all time on your team, having a top three shooter on your team, having... Uh, a league mvp at 23 years old on your team having one of the greatest perimeter defenders of his generation uh, on your team that's just a ridiculous lineup and the you know as great as kyle Lowry, demar and vc were they're nowhere near uh you know the the level of players that you're talking about like guys like kareem Giannis, and big o Uh, these guys are not at the level that you know the guys of Milwaukee are so I think in that respect it it just as you said it's either a sweep or uh you know a general a gentleman's uh sweep in five games for the Milwaukee Bucks
0: yeah so the Bucks will be moving on so let's flip things over to the Western Conference
1: yeah so um flipping things over to the Western Conference the next matchup we have is the Los Angeles Lakers versus the San Antonio Spurs um just reading the lineups for you quickly, the Los Angeles Lakers have a lineup of Magic Johnson, Jerry West, Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Shaquille O'Neal, whereas the San Antonio Spurs have a lineup of Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, George Girvin, Tim Duncan, and David Robinson. Now, um, again, I like to start off with defense. So, um, off the bat, I think the Spurs do have an edge defensively. Um, you know, especially when you're talking about uh, the twin tw- twin towers with Tim Duncan being one, of, uh, you know, the great defender that he is. David Robinson being the great defender um, that he is. But um, even in that respect, I don't think the Lakers fall too short um, of the Spurs. I would definitely give the edge to the Spurs defensively. But again. The Lakers aren't too far off in terms of, you know, having Magic Johnson, Kobe. um, Again, Kareem and Shaq um, weren't the greatest defenders um, in the world, especially, you know, if you throw them in this era. But again, I think this is where the matchup plays a part when you have, uh, you know, the Twin Towers of uh, Tim Duncan and David Robinson. This really helps, I think, the... um, Expose the Lakers' big men less in terms of defensively because Tim Duncan and David Robinson don't have, you know, the foot speed that you're talking about, like modern day stretch fours have, for example. So, the fact that Tim Duncan and David Robinson are that big uh, enables Kareem and Shaquille O'Neal to be able to keep up with them relatively well uh, compared to if they were smaller players. Now, again, as I said, the Frontcourt Kareem and Shaq are not great uh defensively, but the fact that you know Tim Duncan and David Robinson are um you know big men as well helps Kareem and Shaq uh in that respect. But then flipping things over to the offensive side of the court. Now again, the Spurs do have a great offense. You know, you're talking about Tony Parker, Mon Gnobly, the Iceman, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, all these guys could legitimately you know put up like a good 30 a night in their prime but when you're talking about four of the greatest scores of all time um on the los angeles lakers with jerry west kobe kareem and shaq that that's four of the greatest scores of all time not to mention probably the greatest i would say maybe non-score of all time which is magic johnson you know the facilitator that he was um and how how great he was at running an offense running the show Um uh, Again, the Spurs do have a great offense, but I don't think you can compare it to uh the Lakers offense. You know, you're talking about obviously Tim Duncan was a great defender, but again, Kareem has the most unstoppable move in NBA history, which is why he is the greatest scorer of all time. And you're t- you're talking about the fact that this guy didn't even shoot any threes. He got all those points without shooting any threes. That just shows how unstoppable Yeah, exactly. Uh, he didn't even shoot any threes, so that just shows how unstoppable of a move he had. The The fact that he was, a bit, he was able to score the most amount of points in NBA history by a wide um, uh, margin without shooting any threes. So, again, although Tim Duncan is a great defender, Kareem does have the most unstoppable move in NBA history, and he will score points whether you like it or not. Now, flipping things over to the center spot, David Robinson, again, also a good defender, but... If you look at the highlights and the games, Shaquille O'Neal typically dominated David Robinson just because of the size advantage that Shaq had. Um, again, Shaq did this to a number of great defenders. You know, when you're talking about Dikembe Mutombo, um, I can't—I'm I'm blanking out right now. But Dikembe Mutombo was another guy that was one of the greatest defenders of all time, but just couldn't do anything against Shaq because Shaq just bullied them. And this would—this would happen you know, if we're being honest, in this series too, with Shaq on David Robinson, Shaq would bully David Robinson. Though David Robinson, again, would score his fair share of points, you know, get some blocks as well, but Shaq is, you know, we're talking about the tank that is Shaq. Um, Magic Johnson's a huge mismatch on Tony Parker. Obviously, Magic Johnson's, what, 6'9 point guard, whereas Tony Parker's, what, like 6'2 maybe, Um, you know, if we we're talking around that. Um George Griffin was a great scorer of his time, you know, good defender and all of that too. But again, in my opinion, I think we're talking about top three, top five player in Kobe Bryant, um, you know, who can take over the game, hit all the clutch shots, make shots from anywhere on the court. Um, I think also one thing about Kobe is the fact that he would be able, he would play a big part in spacing the floor for guys like Kareem and Shaq um, and also filling in those, you know, mid-range gaps where magic and and kareem slash shaq have a pick and roll kobe would be able to fill in those spots at the mid range or at the three you know where someone like magic or shaq could be able to kick out um the ball to jerry west and kobe uh jerry west and kobe would be great spacers not to mention the fact that if you do put the ball in their hands you know they can create their own shots as well um so i think overall i would definitely have to say um i think the Lakers, in my opinion, would be moving on probably five or six games.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with that as well. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the Spurs, although they were able to get out of the first round, you know, over Portland, you know, the Lakers, you know, they had a tough matchup coming out of the first one. I mean, they took on Golden State and they won- and they were, and you, we- you gave them the slight edge to get to get out of that one. So yeah,
1: that was pretty much a toss up.
0: Yeah, that one was very tough. But here, you know, although on paper these, these two starting vibes are absolutely fantastic. Obviously on one hand you have the Spurs like who basically created their, their, their championship dynasty with all these players. And you know, you know, defensively I agree both these teams are pretty evenly matched. If I had to to say, you know, obviously the Spurs, I'll give them a slight edge on the defensive end, but man, offensively, it's gonna be really difficult to stop the Lakers. I mean, when you're talking, uh, when you're talking Kobe, you're talking, you know, Kareem, you're talking Shaq, you know, that that in of its, and then and then Magic on top of that. I mean, you're talking about some of the most lethal scorers and playmakers of all time. You know,
1: I will also add in the fact that I think although the Spurs have a more uh, balanced team and definitely a more well-rounded team, the Lakers do make up for you know their lack of fit, I guess, uh, just in terms of sheer talent and dominance.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, like, you can't argue the talent on the on, on the Lakers team, which is precisely why I think they should be moving on. I mean, like, just. You know, obviously, if we're looking at them individual matchups, the Lakers already have them outsized. Have the Lakers outsized, and then not to mention individual. Like, how do you stop a pick and roll with like Magic, Kareem, and Shaq? And then not to mention you have Kobe, who is who's sp- spreading the floor, or you can have Kobe running these same pick and rolls. At the same time, you know, there's so many possibilities, but just the the, the sheer dominance of the Lakers offense is what I feel ultimately propels them over over the Spurs in this matchup. So yeah, I agree. Lakers, uh Lakers should be moving on. Um flipping things back over to the Eastern Conference. Now this is probably uh one of my, my favorite matchups that I was that I was excited to have in the Eastern Conference. And in that the Chicago Bulls taking on the Miami Heat. Uh, so the the Miami Heat obviously have their start all time starting five is Tim Hardaway, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Alonzo Mourning, Shaquille O'Neal, and then the Chicago Bulls. We all know what it, who they are: Derrick Rose, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Artis Gilmore. So right off the bat, we got to talk about the Bulls. The Bulls have arguably the best, one of the best trios of all time in Michael, Scottie, and and Rodman. You know. And then not to mention you have solid players like Derrick Rose and Artis Gilmore. You know, this Bulls team is stacked. They're great on offense. They're great on defense. The re- main only re- real weakness is shooting. Like, it, believe it or not. Like, that's the, the weakness of this team. But even then, like, Scotty's can shoot a little bit. Michael can shoot a little bit. And, when, and D. Rose can shoot a little bit. So they do have a bit of shooting, but maybe not as much as you would like them to have. Um... And then we're talking about the Miami Heat. Meanwhile, they're no slouches in their own right. You know they have the great pairing of LeBron and D Wade. Not to mention you have Alonzo Mourning and you have Shaquille O'Neal. Tim with a solid complementary piece as well. So Miami has again athletic- a ton of athleticism. They have a ton of versatility. They also have some a solid defense. Although I'll have to I'll talk about defense in just a second. But man, looking at these two teams, there is a lot of talent between these two teams. And Zishan and I were actually like talking about this when we were creating the notes for this episode, and you know, w- although these teams have a lot of offensive firepower, this matchup, like this is gonna, this matchup is gonna come down to uh, defense, and to represent the defensive matchups, I'm gonna break down each and every single positional matchup. So first we got the point guards in Derrick Rose and Tim Hardaway. Obviously Tim Hardaway is a, a, an okay defender. Derrick Rose we know isn't a good defender, but the better offensive player is for sure Derrick Rose. So which is why I believe Derrick Rose is going to have the advantage over Tim Hardaway. Uh, nothing against Tim Hardaway. It's just D Rose is the better offensive player. He will be he'll will be able to take advantage of Tim Hardaway. And not, next we're going to Michael Jordan versus Dwayne Wade. Now both these guys are solid. Defenders in their own right. I'll argue Michael's maybe a slightly better individual defender, but these both these players can also score too. So on any given night, you can have Wade or you can have Michael score thirty. But when we're talking about uh, a, you know, one of the greatest scorers of all time and Michael Jordan, obviously the greatest player of all time, um, you know, I just feel that Michael is going to have the advantage over uh, over Dwayne Wade just based on the fact that Michael can outscore D Wade. Although Wade is a solid defender, I just feel like Michael will be able to uh, outscore Dwayne Wade. So, you know, and like kind of overcome Dwayne Wade's good defense. Which brings us to Scottie Pippen versus LeBron James. Now, in this matchup, I got to give the edge to LeBron James. Now, Scottie is one of the greatest defenders of all time. You know, he probably can do a great job defending LeBron. The problem is, LeBron is one of the greatest players to ever play this game. And LeBron is a physical physical specimen. I mean, he is, you know, he is not only like strong. He can pass. He can he can shoot now. Like LeBron is the complete package, and I just feel like that's gonna like it is so difficult to stop a player of LeBron James caliber. Although Scotty will do a great job slowing LeBron down, LeBron is still gonna be able to to get to get his points and get his buckets. Which brings us to the next. Matchup and probably the most interesting matchup between these two teams, and that's Dennis Rodman and Alonzo Morning. Now typically Alonzo Morning is a a shot blocker, so which means he primarily stays within the paint, whereas Dennis Rodman is a defender who can probe around the perimeter and be able to you know kind of switch and be more dynamic and as far as how he plays defensively. So, although these players have some similar attributes, the edge just has to be given to Dennis Rodman here, just based on the fact that number one, Alonzo Mourning is not playing in his in his more comfortable position because Shaquille O'Neal obviously has that position. So, when you're taking Alonzo Mourning out of the paint, his effectiveness on defense actually, be, you know, gets reduced a little bit. Then on top of that, you got to look at Dennis Rodman is just, well, he's just physically well outworked Alonzo Mourning. Like I just feel like. He's just going to be the more imposing player, um, especially because Dennis Rodman is going to be in his element. He's going to be able to trap Alonzo Mourning. He's going to be able to switch off if he needs to. Then not to mention, he can box out Alonzo Mourning and grab some rebounds uh, before Shaq can get a chance because he's probably quicker than Shaq as well. So in that regard, I have to give the advantage to Dennis Rodman here. And finally, Artis Gilmore taking on Shaq this one is not much of a debate. I just feel like Shaq is, is just going to be too big and dominant for Artis Gilmore. Although he is a, Gilmore is a solid defender, Shaq is just going to be way too much for him. So if we're looking at just based on the, who has the advantages, it's definitely going to be a defensive matchup for sure, but I, I have to give the edge to the Bulls just simply for the fact that they have that slight edge defensively. Like, again, like the Bulls aren't, at, like crazy, better than 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 this Miami Heat team on defense, but they are they are still better by 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 that slight edge, and that slight edge should be just as much as they need. And then not to mention they can sc- outscore uh, Miami as well because you have Derrick Rose, you have MJ, MJ doing a lot of the scoring low. Not to mention Scotty can can chip in a bit as well, and then Rodman grabbing some re- grabbing rebounds. I just feel like. Although this is gonna be a very close matchup, I just feel like the Bulls have the advantage and will take this in, in, a, in a hard-fought seven-game series.
1: Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I think this was the matchup we were talking about the most. Um. Yeah. When we were making the notes, uh, it was definitely the
0: most and, interesting matchup.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a very interesting matchup. Um. And as you said, this would probably be. Um. You know, when we're talking about the names on this list. Um, in this matchup, you're talking about some of the greatest offensive talents of all time. MJ, Wade, Scotty, LeBron, Shaq, Rose. You know, these are some of the greatest offensive talents of all time.
0: And but, defensive.
1: Yeah, so I was just going to say that. These are great, some of the greatest offensive talents at a, uh, 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 of all time. But on these teams, too, they also have some of the greatest defenders of all time, too. So, I mean, you know, although these guys are all great at scoring... Um, Defensively, is where the game is going to be at for this series, which is why, although you know, their scoring may be able to push these games to you know, you could have like a 110, 120 point game, but I think most of these games would probably come down to like a 90 point game just because of the fact that these two teams are such great defending teams as well. Um, you pointed to a, I think this was a matchup we also talked about the most, um. You know you have your mj vs wade matchup lebron scotty which are you know great um and i think these guys would do uh great even uh you know um even the defenders that they are these guys would be able to get their points just because of how great uh you know each player is but i think the most interesting matchup in the series would definitely have to be the rodman uh alonso morning matchup Um, and this i think would be a very crucial matchup uh in the series uh, you know, you talked about the fact that Alonzo Mourning, I think this is where matchups, um, and, you know, having players out of position, uh, really factors into a series. Uh, you're having Alonzo Mourning whose, uh, effectiveness is limited because of the fact that he is playing out position, um, because he is playing alongside Shaq. Uh, you know, if he's playing your power forward position, Alonzo Morning's going to be forced out of the paint. Um... Obviously, Dennis Rodman is not a great, you know, scoring player. He's not a scoring threat. Um, Alonzo Mourning can, you know, will be able to camp in the paint quite a bit. But again, you're talking about a guy in Dennis Rodman who was saying screens was, uh, you know, being able to run out onto the perimeter, um, you know, when you have a switch on Alonzo Mourning with Michael Jordan or Scottie or D. Rose. So Alonzo Mourning, just because of the position that he's playing, given the fact that he's has to run with Shaq, um alonzo morning his limit his uh effectiveness is going to be reduced and limited whereas dennis rodman can still play the same position um that he did as uh you know for people who don't remember he played small forward on the pistons so he was more of a perimeter oriented defender whereas when he got to bulls he played you know a bigger position of power forward where he was more in the paint so Dennis Rodman can still play his you know his game his his role of roaming the paint roaming outside he's still able to do that whereas Alonzo Morning, his limited uh his effectiveness is limited now again if you want you can swap the matchups where you have Alonzo Morning patrolling the paint and then you bring Shaq out to the power forward spot on defense but again that would probably be an even worse matchup just because of the fact that Shaq is even slower than Alonzo Mourning. Um, so you wouldn't even want Shaq playing the power forward spot or the four spot on defense. Um, again, just because of the fact that Rodman and Gilmore are not great, you know, shooting threats. I think this does help Miami um, and it does make a very interesting matchup um and a very tight matchup but again just because of all the points you named i would probably say the bulls would edge the heat out in a seven game series but definitely be a dogfight um and you know if this were to happen in real life to be honest you know it it could go both ways um but just for the sake of argument i think for us we both agree that the series would probably go to the bulls in seven games moving on to one thing i do want
0: to add here uh, that we didn't mention about the Rodman home matchup. The reason why, another reason why I can give the Bulls a slight edge is just because of the fact that Rodman and his rebounding prowess—that he's going to be able to grab as many offensive rebounds. But although that he's not, he's not, he's not going to be able to score as much. Just giving guys like Michael Jordan, Derrick Rose, and Scottie Pippin, you know, second chance opportunities are going to be crucial because you know Michael doesn't miss, like to miss twice. So if Michael misses one, he's, he's you know he's gonna try his best not to miss twice, so I just think that's gonna be a big part. Of, like that, that could play a factor into giving the Bulls that slight edge that they need to edge this series out. But you were right, like you, like this is this would be a dog fight either way. So yeah, I just wanted to yeah. add that one point in.
1: I think yeah, exactly. That's why I think uh you know the matchups and the players um of these lineups is what also makes it a lot more interesting just because of the fact that you have guys not playing their you know normal positions for example on the lakers we had you know kobe bryant um playing the small forward spot so you know if he was against a a bigger player it would make a huge difference um i think this is what you know really makes these matchups uh very interesting in that regard Again, moving on to the Western Conference, um, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder slash Seattle Supersonics versus the Houston Rockets. Now, again, as I said last episode, ESPN had the OKC slash Seattle franchises separate, but just for making you know our episodes easier, I combined the two and made the best lineup uh, I could make out of the two. So starting off with the Seattle slash OKC lineup, we have Russell Westbrook, Gary Payton, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Jack Sigma. And then on the Houston lineup, we have James Harden, Calvin Murphy, Tracy McGrady, Rudy Tomjanovic, and Hakeem Olajuwon. Now, I think this matchup was, you know, very interesting in that regard too, because I think this is a much more evenly matched series. Um, you know, you're talking about great talented players on both uh, on both teams. Um, you know, you're talking about great scores, you know, some really good defenders with Gary Payton and Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, I think this would be a very good series, a very solid series, uh, a very evenly matched series. Um, I think the slight advantage would probably go to OKC in terms of defensively uh, with Gary Payton. Uh, Kevin Durant there, Uh, especially the matchup, uh, having Gary Payton there to be able to guard a guy like James Harden, I think would be very beneficial. But again, uh, you know, you have guys who aren't that great defensively on both teams as well. So it kind of, you know, these two teams aren't, they, they have some individual talents defensively but they also have you know some negatives defensively when you're talking about russell westbrook or james harden you know uh calvin murphy was a shorter guard or you know t-mac all of that t-mac wasn't you know the best defender although he was a good defender uh, uh, or a solid defender i would say um but again i think the defensive matchup would not be um as highlighted as for example you know the series of the bulls versus the heat Again, I talked about having the advantage of putting GP on James Harden. Um, James Harden would be probably their first, uh, Houston's first perimeter scorer, um, and a guy that can drop 50 on you any night. Having one of the greatest players of all time, uh, defensively in Gary Payton, being able to lock up James Harden, especially the fact that, you know, we've seen James Harden have struggles in the playoffs. Obviously, I think it is overstated, You know, and he does get a bad rep for a few games that he did, you know, choke. But again, we're talking about Gary Payton, the glove, one of the greatest perimeter defenders of all time. Um, you know, probably, uh, probably the best, you know, maybe guard defender of all time on James Harden, uh, which would really neutralize him. Um, you know, again, on the offensive side of the ball, the Rockets and the Thunder can both score a lot. Um, the Rockets can, you know, the Rockets have T-Mac, James Harden, Calvin Murphy, Hakeem. So again, the Rockets can score a bunch of buckets, but the problem is the Thunder can also score just as much, if not more. We're talking about, you know, Gary Payne was a pretty good scorer too. Then you also have James Harden, um, on the Thunder, which makes it interesting because he's in, he's on both of these teams. I would say, obviously, I think the Thunder version of James Harden will be worse just because of what he represented to the Thunder versus what he re- he what a player he is on uh, Houston. Um, but then again, we're talking about um, Kevin Durant, who was arguably the most talented offensive player of all time. Now, Rudy Tomjanovich was a good player in his heyday. No, no doubt about that. He made a you know a few All Star games. But again, we're talking about Kevin Durant, you know, who will probably go as down as maybe like a top five scorer of all time um, when it's all said and done. So I think in that matchup, obviously, you have to give um, KD the advantage. In this matchup, I think the matchup, particular matchup of Jack Sigma and Hakeem Olajuwon would definitely be interesting because of the fact that, you know, Hakeem is an offensive and defensive beast. But which is why I think the addition of Jack Sigma on this uh, Seattle slash OKC lineup is very crucial because of the fact that you have Jack Sigma who can shoot threes um, you can have him bring Hakeem out onto the perimeter which will neutralize him defensively now again Hakeem was quick enough to be able to keep up with like you know a lot of uh, wings a lot of guards maybe Uh, he was definitely quick enough for that but again his primary role and the place where he was most effective on defense was at the rim Uh when you have a three-point shooter like Jack Sigma who can bring Hakeem out onto the wing onto the perimeter, it reduces Hakeem's effectiveness. Not to mention the fact that when you have a guy like Hakeem, when you when you have guys like KD and Jack Sigma at the two big spots that can pull out their defenders from the paint, a guy like Russell Westbrook can go crazy and just attack the basket. And you know we're seeing it with the Houston Rockets this year, um just making that connection. Uh, to this regular season where russell westbrook has nobody in the paint and we've seen the best version of russell westbrook i think that i've ever seen him by far um and if you give two you know nobody packing the paint for this thunder team because all of these guys can shoot um a very underrated thing about this thunder team is literally these guys these guys can go five out With Gary Payne, James Harden, KD, and Jack Sikma all being able to shoot. Russell Westbrook can't shoot, but he's going to attack the paint like crazy. Um, And he's going to score a lot of points that way. So I think in this matchup, it would definitely be a very interesting matchup. Um, A very, uh, I think a very evenly matched um, series. But I would definitely have to give the edge to OKC slash Seattle probably in, I would say, six games.
0: Yeah, I I'm gonna have to agree that this is a very interesting interesting matchup to say the least. Um, you know, obviously because OKC and Seattle kind of combined together, but I do agree with the fact that the better defensive team has to be uh Oklahoma City, just because you have Gary Payton there, you have uh, Kevin Durant, uh, who's a great defender. Even Russell Westbrook can be a solid defender when he want when he wants to be. Um, you know, James Harden. It, it is an average defender, uh, Jack Stigma. You know, he's. I don't really know much about him, so I can't really speak on him. Um, uh, but again, I do have to give this slight, slight defensive edge because again, when you're looking at the Houston side of things, you got James Harden, you got uh Tracy McGrady, you know Cal Calvin Murphy. You know these aren't the the best defensive names. And then obviously they do have Hakeem Olajuwon, but. That's basically the their best defensive player. And as you mentioned with the Jack Sigma matchup, he might actually be uh his his uh, effectiveness might actually be limited because of the fact that Jack Sigma can pull Hakeem away from the paint because Jack Sigma can stretch the floor. But I think the one thing that you also overlooked in when we were talking is Tracy McGrady. Tracy Mc, although like again, you mentioned that the Houston James Harden can be neutralized by Gary Payton. But you can say that make the same argument that uh, you know, Tracy McGrady can can take on uh, OKC James Harden. So, well,
1: I, I, I did say that um, I think T Mac would put up a bunch of buckets as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I said Houston would probably score a lot, but that's why I also said that the Thunder could literally keep up with Houston. That's why I said, uh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I pretty much said that like this wouldn't be the biggest defensive battle because um, both teams can score a lot but again when we're talking about Houston you have a guy like T-Mac you have James Harden Hakeem who are all amazing scores but then again on the other side of the uh you know on the other side you also have Kevin Durant Jack Sigma James Harden and Russell Westbrook who are also all great scores as well so I think in that regard um although Houston does have some great players uh the Thunder could literally just keep up with them in terms of you know offensive output
0: I agree with that because again, like when you're talking, when you're looking at the the, the Rockets' uh, offensive output, it's really just T-Mac and Hakeem Olajuwon. But then when you flip things over to the Thunder, you got to worry about Kevin Durant, who's one of the greatest scorers of all time, uh, who's on pace to at least be one of the greatest scorers of all time. Uh, then you have uh, Jack Sigma, who can spread the floor. Then on top of that, you have Gary Payton, who can also who can also spread the floor. But the most important point is Russell Westbrook. If you can spread the floor for what Russell Westbrook, we've seen how effective that he can be. Russell Westbrook attacking the basket—he attacks it like no other guard has ever done, and uh, probably in NBA history. Just the ferocity that he attacks with—it's very hard to slow him down and to stop him, you know. And Russell Westbrook also has some vision. Like he can—he, you know, sometimes he does get tunnel vision. I will, I will admit that. But Westbrook is also a, a decent passer, especially when he sees. You know the defenses start start to collapse in the paint. He will kick it out to open shooter. Then when you're kicking it out to Kevin Durant, you know he's gonna knock that one down. Then Jack Sigma can also spread the floor. Then James Harden can spread the floor. So there is definitely you know Houston can I'm sorry Oklahoma City can definitely keep up with Houston on the offensive end. And just for the for the fact that I just feel like you know Oklahoma City has the more modern style of play. I mean like if they can shoot more three, we saw with Golden State if you can shoot more threes 3 is obviously greater than 2 you you you're, you're, you're going to just win by outscoring your opponent so i have to agree oklahoma city would win this in maybe 5 6 game, 6 games
1: uh, yeah when we're talking about uh you know the whole three point shooting uh if you can make more threes then yeah you definitely win uh which is th- what the thunder can do and also another huge point of you know the modern three point game is the whole uh action of you know, collapsing the defense and kicking it out. And there's probably not a better player at that, or, you know, there's not many better players um, at doing that than Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, in terms of collapsing the defense and the paint and then kicking it out to guys like KD, Harden, and Sigma.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I have to agree Oklahoma City slash Seattle is moving on. So that concludes the second round of the of, of this bracket to determine the best starting five of all time. So the Eastern Conference Finals will, will be between the, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls. That is going to be a very good matchup. And then the Western Conference Finals is going to be between the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Oklahoma City Thunder slash Seattle Supersonics. So stay tuned the next to next week's episode where we're going to be breaking down the Western Conference Finals and the... And the finals. Uh, The final round to determine which team has the best starting five of all time. But these two matchups are going to be insane for next week. But moving on into the up and under segment for this week. Uh, First off, we got to start off. Are you up or under on some of these updates to restart the NBA season? Obviously, last week we covered the NBA's complete return to play format. This week we have more details after, obviously, the NBPA uh voted in in agreement with this uh with this plan. So first off, are you up or under on the NBA uh expanding the the allowed roster spots from fifteen to seventeen players? Uh are you uh players will be excused to not play if they do not want to. So if players feel that they, they feel unsafe going to Orlando, they can, you know, decline and and stay home without any penalties. Uh, just a portion of the contract is going to be taken. Uh, if a player tests positive for the coronavirus, teams can sign someone to replace them. So obviously, players who haven't been on a roster, you know, like a J- Jamal Crawford and J.R. Smiths, you know, free agents that aren't on any rosters currently. Uh, some teams who haven't made the playoffs are asking the NBA. Oh, I
1: think it's uh for the last points the opposite. So if a player does test positive for Corona. Um, in the playoffs, teams can sign uh, a player to replace them, uh, but they have to have been on a active roster this season, meaning at least a summer camp, a training camp roster, or a regular season two-way, you know, all of that. So you can't have, uh, they can't add guys like Jamal Crawford or J.R. Smith who haven't played at all in the league this season.
0: Yeah, I think the mo- the more likely case would be two-way players. You know, you can call up a two-way guy if you need one. But yeah. just moving forward into so so basically some teams who haven't who don't who haven't qualified to go to Orlando to continue the season, they are actually requesting from the NBA to have some sort of mini camp or some kind of OTA type of uh, you know, some practices so at least then they're not going, you know, 10 months or so without playing any basketball. They can get some work in. Um The NBA is actually hinting at a condensed schedule for next year, uh, but they're still trying to play the same amount of games, which means that they're going to try to condense an 82-game season in maybe four months, four months to four and a half months. So we are going to see some back-to-back, so that one's going to be interesting. The NBA will be testing for player uh, performance-enhancing drugs, uh, but they will not be testing for recreational drugs like marijuana. so that's going to be a factor. And then finally, the NBA is allowing teams that are limited to access the June transaction windows so they can sign eligible free agents and convert two-way contracts, you know, and kind of have some money flexibility, you know, since they're not doing anything anyways. So are you up or under on some of these updates?
1: Um, I mean, I'm up on these, uh, for the most part, I think, um, you know, just quickly going through this list, <laughs> um, Obviously, the roster um, allowance of 17 players, I think that makes sense considering the fact that uh, of the next point that if players don't want to play, they won't have to play. So, you know, just more uh, roster spots um, in terms of that reason and, you know, injuries and all that. And again, um, on, about the point where players won't play if they don't want to, you know, I think that's I think that's fair considering the circumstances that we're in um uh, you know if if a player isn't comfortable you can't tell them you know to risk their life um if they don't want to especially with the fact that you know w- we have to think about realistically um you know a lot of these guys don't play in the nba you know because it's their hobby playing basketball they love playing basketball now of course like the great ones like russ and braun and kd and all that they love playing basketball and you know they're in the nba because they love ball but you know a lot for a lot of these guys it's just a regular day job um and you know i can't blame them for not wanting to take the risk for something that they don't love and you know for example jeopardizing a paycheck uh, you know, to take a risk that they don't want to do. So you know, you can't you can't blame um players for that. Um, I did think the point about uh, I I was worried what would happen. I think we brought it up last episode. I think uh I talked about it um of what would happen when uh if a player tested positive for Corona. Uh, I think I I mentioned last episode. I was talking about the stars. Now obviously you won't be able to replace the stars, but if a a player does test positive for Corona. I think what they pretty much said is the player has to go into quarantine for seven days, um, and then they have to get I think two tests, uh, two positive tests. They'll also be doing positive, contact negative. tracing too. Yeah. Well, I think they said they're not gonna do the whole um, the whole like uh monitor thingy, where they were thinking of putting tech on the players. Uh, that would monitor where they're going but I think they decided not to make that mandatory um so if players want to wear that they can if they don't they don't have to um but yeah if a player does test positive for corona um somebody you know a team can sign somebody but again it can be anybody that wasn't on an NBA roster this season um I think that's just like you know contractual reasons and all of that um in terms of teams who haven't made the playoffs, asking for you know camps and all that, I I definitely agree with that. That that definitely makes this sense. The one issue I really did have was, um, again, this wasn't the uh, NBA saying it. It was I think the Hawks, uh, one of the Hawks owners or something. Hawks GM. I, Hawks GM. Um, right. He said that the NBA was hinting that they might try to make a condensed schedule next year uh which i thought was fine but then they said that they were gonna try to play 82 games and that's that's where they lost me where i was like nah that's that i mean that's not gonna happen most likely but it's just it's just it's just not a good idea
0: i um, mean i can't i think blame when we're talking trying about it?
1: yeah when we were talking about the notes uh when we were talking about me and honey were making the notes i pre i i said yo if they did this literally everyone by the time the playoffs rolled around everyone would be injured or does? yeah exactly um it's but just like, not I a good idea to fit 82 games in like five months
0: i mean i don't blame the nba for wanting to try this because again i've kind of hinted at this like, like these last few episodes that the nba is trying to recoup a ton of money and like they're gonna try to do it in the best in the most effective way possible but again it does help the, the players that uh, they have a union so yeah to stop exactly. things like this yeah. from happening
1: and again, um, in terms of them trying to recoup the money at this point, they've already lost hundreds of millions of dollars. So like e- they already have made a huge negative, uh, you know, this whole year with the whole China situation and then this whole situation right now. So, I mean, it is what it is at this point, bro. Um, and in terms of, you know, a whole money loss situation, literally everyone in the world lost a lot of money this season. I mean, this year, uh probably minus like grocery stores and toilet paper companies um yeah oh and mask mask and glove companies definitely they they definitely made a lot of money this season uh this year but yeah um i think that was kind of stupid um and pretty much you know the rest of the points are you know they are what they are um in terms of nba allowing teams to you know, access the whole June transaction window, it's pretty much not going to, you know, matter that much because it's more about, you know, teams' own two-way contracts and, you know, summer contracts and all of that.
0: This also benefits the teams who are currently who are in the playoff hunts as well because they can... This transaction window also allows them to convert two-way contracts and also sign you know, the, the Jamal Crawford and the J.R. Smith, So that's kind of what we were alluding to. So they could technically still sign him because similar to how in a regular NBA season, you have a certain window of time before the playoffs that you can sign a, a free agent player uh, and they can be playoff eligible. So that's what the NBA is yeah. trying to do as well.
1: So in terms of the whole, you know, the the whole situation about players who haven't been on the roster this season, uh, from our understanding, it's, pretty much until the season ends that teams can sign those guys. But if the season ends and then the playoffs start um, and those guys haven't been signed yet, then they're inele- they're ineligible to sign in case of a, you know, a corona um, diagnosis in the playoffs, pretty much. So, yeah, uh, that was my thoughts about, you know, what you're saying for that?
0: For the most part, I... Uh... I mean, I agree with it. I mean, I do like the idea of players are going to be excused if they don't want to play. Um, I I don't really see which players don't want to play. I mean, the most I mean, I have
1: th- heard I have heard some players that you know they don't. The most
0: notable play. name is Carmelo Anthony, but he's obviously looking for more details. Um, but again, like the mo- majority of the players will want to play. But I do like the idea that they're, they're not going to penalize anybody because you really can't at the end of the day. Like this is. Like a- any company sh- shouldn't penalize anyone for valuing their own safety versus, you know, going to work and risking risking themselves. So, especially not a one.
1: multi like hundred million dollar corporation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you, why why take the chance? Um, again, like we talked about the the condensed schedule idea that that's completely bullshit. That they're trying to, you know, play eighty two games in a condensed uh, schedule. Um. You know, I think the, the, probably the, the news the player they're going to love is the fact that the NBA, you know, they're not going to be testing for recreational drugs yet, but they are going to be testing for PEDs. And I think that kind of makes sense because of the fact that they're already going to be, be be tested every single day for COVID. Uh, so when that's already like I heard like the process is very, very painful and very weird. So, yeah, they
1: stick it up your
0: nose. Yo, it they're into, deep up there too. Yeah, like it's not like it's bro. freaking like, you know that 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 freaking like right at like the edge of the nose, man. Like that's freaking like they're going in there, man. Like that. Bro, I
1: don't want, I don't want Corona just because of that, bro. I I don't want to even like attempt to take that test, bro. Like, bro, that's that's a good enough reason for me to not want to get Corona.
0: My question is, how do you not sneeze from that?
1: I don't know, man. It it's because like the the sneezing. I don't know, man. Stick something up your nose and then y- I, uh, try it out.
0: Yeah, I'd rather not. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the fact that players are gonna be, you know, they're just not gonna be testing for recreational drugs because they're gonna the players are gonna be like, what the hell? How many tests do we have to do? Which I find and plus it's
1: you know it's been like five months and these guys are probably chilling at home or whatever. So there's no point of you know, uh, most of them would probably a lot of them I bet would probably test positive. Okay. So you know, there's really no point of doing that.
0: Yeah, but PEDs I definitely understand why the league needs to test them because obviously to keep the competitive integrity uh still intact. But yeah, overall man, I agree with this. I'm just excited for ball to come back. Like these next couple months have to pass very quickly, man, cuz we need to get the get to some ball. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. Um next up, are you up or under on Trey Young saying that he was frustrated about the season uh being ended? Um, you know, for those eight teams and not being able to play out the rest of the season and uh, have a fighting chance.
0: I'm under, like, bro, like, w- Trey, yeah. like, what the hell? Your season was over, <laughs> like, it, it bro, was the, already their over. Their season
1: was over by like December, man. <laughs> like, if you if you
0: wanted to, if you wanted to to continue playing, then you should win more than twenty games in a season. Exactly. Like, yeah, the, like. This is this is what it is. Like you can be frustrated all you want, but again, you were the number one option on that team. Yeah, just because John Collins was out, you guys were four and zero to start the season. I had a ton of faith in you guys, and you let me down. So, you know, it's you can't really blame the league for not including you because what chance would you really have of making it? to the Also, playoffs?
1: nobody wants to see a uh, Atlanta versus Milwaukee matchup. Nope. Because Milwaukee would be winning by like fifty points every game. I would say so. sixty. Uh, sixty is a good. Uh, I w- I would say that's a pretty fair guess to be honest. I mean,
0: I mean, we they the league would probably enjoy it, you know having making them make make some money having Giannis jump over Trey Young and dunking it. Yeah. I mean, he did it to Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't, I'm I'm pretty sure he can do it at Trey Young. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm under on that one. Uh, moving on, are you up or under on LaMarcus Aldridge and Boyan Bogdanovich being ruled out for the season, both obviously going for season-ending surgeries?
1: Uh, I'm under on it. Again, you know, just to reiterate, when we're talking about uh, if we're up or under on guys getting injured, we don't mean the actual injury because, you know, obviously we don't wish injury on anybody, but we mean, you know, as in their overall impact for them and their team. And, uh, again, I'm under on it because of the fact that, you know, the Spurs were included in this play in tournament for the playoffs. Um, and Lamarcus Aldridge is, you know, their best player, uh, arguably. Um, and not having him there would definitely hurt them. And I think that pretty much was the last of, uh, San chances of extending their playoff streak to, what, 21 seasons? 20? 20, 22 seasons? Whatever it was. Um. Yeah. So I don't think the Spurs. I think that was the nail in the coffin for the Spurs. And obviously, it was a huge loss for Utah losing Boyan Bogdanovic as well. Um, considering he was one of their best players. Um, you know, especially offensively, uh, with Mike Conley being trashed this season, um, and uh, Donovan Mitchell needing another player to step up and help him keep the offensive load going. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovic was really brought in to do that, and he was playing pretty good. Um, But uh, obviously with him not being there now, uh, you have one, uh, probably your biggest floor spacer gone. Um, You're probably second best offensive player gone. Um, Especially for a Utah team that was definitely looking to go deep into playoffs this year. uh, Losing a guy of Bogdanovich's magnitude, uh, I think really hurts them a lot.
0: That to me is the big the, the bigger loss between the two players. I mean Aldrich definitely sucks with the Spurs, but the Spurs likelihood of making the playoffs is pretty slim anyways. Uh but for Bogdanovich, I mean like the Jazz are in a playoff spot. Like they had a chance to to advance in the playoffs if they, you know, with the right matchup. But now I it's gonna be really tough to see them moving on. So
1: yeah. Um next up, are you up or under on Houston Rockets owner, uh Tillman Fertitta, Saying that he's leaving Mike D'Antonio's Mike D'Antoni's future in um, GM Daryl Morey's hands.
0: So I'm up on the fact that that's what it's gonna come down to, but I'm under in the sense that wasn't Daryl Morey already in charge of Mike D'Antoni? Yeah, so job?
1: that's that's what I'm saying. Like I guess yeah, because there's a whole lot of rumors about Daryl Morey even being fired. Uh, with Tillman Fertitta pretty much saying that. Mike D'Antoni's future is up in Daryl Morey's hands. I think that signals the fact that Daryl Morey's going to stay at least for, you know, a couple more years. Uh, but yeah, Mike D'Antoni's uh, on an expiring contract. So, I mean, it's interesting to say the least.
0: I mean, it, it really comes down to this playoff berth. And to be honest with you, just looking at the competition in the Western Conference, I just don't see how Houston can make it to the to the Western Conference Finals. Or even the NBA Finals, to say that. I mean, so, I personally think this might just be Dan Tony's last year coaching Houston. Um, You know, I just feel like it's not, like, it just hasn't been working in Houston. Because they have the talent, for sure. But the fact that, and, but Tillman Fertitta is just one of those, like, straight, like, the, those owners that you like, but also question what he's doing. Yeah, you know? he's
1: one of those owners that's, like, all over the place, I would say. He's similar um, it to definitely Steve Ballmer. Gives you, yeah. Well, I mean, Steve Ballmer. At least you can. He's always saying, you know, mostly positive things for the most part. Literally, everyone likes him. Well, Ballmer Whereas, also
0: knows how to run a business because he's. Yeah, done it for Yeah. I mean, so he is years. one of
1: the most successful people. Um, exactly. In the world. But yeah, exactly. Like
0: in terms of Tillman Fertitta,
1: we've seen questions about him. We've seen people, you know, have their complaints about him. Him say some questionable things. Yeah, no, he's kind of been all over the place. Um, I get it. You know, it's hard to obviously own a team and for him to do it um, in the successful era and try to make it his own team and all that, you know, it's it's tough. Um, But to be honest, Houston, I think, is in a really weird spot, similar to, I think, how um, the Raptors were in uh, 2018. Um, except for the fact that obviously the Raptors have, you know, are, are, they don't have any questions in terms of ownership, um, and, you know, in terms of, for the most part, management either. So I think Houston is definitely going to be a team to watch, um, in the off season. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens with the coach, you know, management, all of that.
0: Yeah. And also how they reshape this roster. I mean, like, cause again, if they bring in a new coach, like who knows what they're going to do from there. Um, and finally, are you up or under on Imudoka being a front runner to be the the next head coach of the Chicago Bulls, even though the Bulls still haven't fired Jim Boylan, but that's going to be inevitable at some point in the near future?
1: Uh, I'm very up on that. Um, first of all, anybody's better than Jim Boylan. Uh, Jim Boylan sucks at his job. Um, it doesn't give me pleasure to say that because I don't like calling people out on their job, but... Uh, no, it gives me great This really to This guy to sucks that. at his job, to say the least, okay? Um, obviously, with Arturis Karnasovas coming in, uh, obviously, he was going to have his own coach. Um, and, you know... I, I mean, he I, has I a trust brain, to, for starters. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And also, I trust him coming from a good program in Denver, um, him being a big part of that. Uh, I trust him to hopefully finally change things for the Bulls. Um, in terms of Ayamidoka, uh, you know, another guy from the... Uh, Spurs coaching tree so I think he would do great things for the Bulls the Bulls have you know one of the most talented rosters I'd say in the Eastern Conference it's just you know they need that next step a guy like for example I'm Doka to come in and coach them you know to play up to their talent level um so I think having a guy like Doka, again, a Spurs uh a former Spurs player, uh a guy who coached under Greg Popovich. Um, I think he was with the Sixers, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, He's with the
0: Sixers right now.
1: Yeah, so he, he was uh he was with the Sixers, um uh with Brett Brown and all that. So I think um having a guy like him will definitely help. Um, you know, you have other names um that we've heard. For example, I think uh I don't know if we've heard officially or not or me just going through, like, YouTube comments or something, but I've seen something like Kenny Atkinson, you know, other people I like like that that one, actually. I do like that, you know, a a developmental coach. Obviously, once you get to winning, Kenny Atkinson's probably not the coach for you. But in terms of, you know, developing talent, um, I think that's a guy you have right there. But I think this definitely shows a good process of what new management is doing in terms of the Bulls uh front office and you know at least we're seeing a positive direction um in that franchise.
0: Yeah, I mean again, like you gotta remember I'm Udoka was in consideration for many head coaching jobs, including the Toronto Raptors at one point in time. So, you know, Udoka was very highly tout- touted. I think he's a good young coach who has a strong background in development, who I think the Bulls would need right now. So Hopefully, Jim Boylan will be fired in the near future so we can discuss more on, you know, m- you know ca- more candidates will be emerging. But we'll see from, from you know, when that happens inevitably. Uh, with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Basically wherever you can find a podcast you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Uh, you don't want to miss the next the next episode. We're going to be taking on the final rounds of, of our bracket to determine the best starting five of all time. So definitely stay tuned for that. We're also going to be getting, you know, you know, more content rolling in as the season resumes. So definitely you don't want to miss any of that. Follow us on social media for all the latest updates, Twitter and Instagram at Upletter and Under pod. Facebook.com slash UpAndUnderPodcast. If you guys want to hear updates from us, you know, when we post an episode or a reaction to news as they occur, definitely check that out. Uh, Also, check out the website UpAndUnderPodcast.com. It's a central hub for the show. It's also a place where ZShot mentioned earlier in the episode. If you want to read about episodes uh, rather than listening to them, you can also read about them with uh, the blog post that we put on our website. Uh, So definitely check that out if you haven't done so already. And finally... Um, have been saying it throughout the pandemic and I continue saying it despite I don't know people are going to be annoyed by this but stay safe obviously follow the health officials guidelines despite things opening up you know we don't want to get this to get worse before like sports and things start to come back so just keep following the health officials and hopefully this will be over sooner rather than later but with that that concludes this week's episode we'll see you guys all on the next one take it easy easy